Welcome to Rome Christian Center. We are so glad that you are with us here today. If you are local to the Rome, New York area, we would like to invite you to join us 10 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on Sundays. We are located at 7985 Turin Road in Rome, New York. Let's join the service as we believe God has something in store for you today. You've got to front load the fullness. We've got to front load it. We have to be intentional about taking care of our spiritual state. That's a good time to say amen. <laughs> Listen, I, Paul told Timothy, take heed to yourself. In other words, get a hold of yourself. You've got to meditate on these things. You've got to give yourself fully to these things, and then your progress will be made known to all. Peter was warning people about the dangers of false teachers and the flood of dissipation that happens in the church and that's happening in the world. They, there were false teachers that had already come into the church. They were saying the resurrection had passed. They were encouraging people to get into forms of carnality. And he says, there's one way you can avoid this. And I just want you to go with me, please, to 2 Peter chapter 3. And I would encourage you to read the first and second epistle of Peter. If you haven't done so recently, it has really been a blessing for me. I love the epistles. They are so full, they're power-packed, they're short, and I find sometimes that in, in times of shorter devotion, uh, they are just a blessing. But if you, if you follow his thinking and what he's trying to explain about Jesus coming back and being ready for him when he comes back, in thir- uh, Second Peter chapter 3, Uh, let's start in verse 17. Actually, let's start in verse 14. You came to church tonight. You're going to be blessed. Here we go. 2 Peter 3, 14. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, without spot and blameless, and consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, as also our beloved brother Paul according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which are, which, excuse me, untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do the rest of the scriptures. So how many of the false teachers don't take a different text when they try to deceive? They use the scriptures, and then they take it in, a, in, a, in the wrong direction. And Paul told Timothy, he said, listen, you have to be able to rightly divide the word of truth. We need discernment. We need God's spirit. So watch this now. You, therefore, somebody say, therefore. therefore. Beloved, since you know this beforehand, since you know that there are teachers, false teachers that are coming that are going to try to twist the scriptures, Since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall 
from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. So the, the enemies, uh, and, and you, this is backed up by Paul's epistle in Timothy. He talks about the perilous times that are coming and people heaping up for themselves teachers according to their own desires because they have itching ears. And he says, since you know that this is going to happen and that it's going to try to pull you away from your steadfastness in Christ, from your place in Christ, from your pursuit of God. How many know we're pursuing God? We are waiting for him. We are serving him and we are waiting for his return. So in order to not do that, he tells them, you got to do one thing and one thing only. Grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. The way that we avoid being deceived by the enemy is to grow in Christ. The way that we avoid being deceived by false teachers, by falling away from our own steadfastness, is to continue to grow, continue to grow, continue to move forward. Paul said, I want you, we're going to forget those things that are behind, and we're going to press toward the mark of the high call in Christ Jesus. He said, don't ever stop pressing. Don't ever stop moving. Don't ever stop learning. Don't ever stop growing. Don't ever stop pursuing and moving toward the mark of God in Christ Jesus. Because the minute we stop moving, that's when we get into trouble. We need to be committed to our, excuse me, to God's plan of growth in our life. God is committed to us growing into the image of Jesus Christ. God is committed to us learning and moving and growing and continuing to move into his purpose and his plan for our life. As I was preparing this morning, I was, I was typing with, with two fingers, three fingers, with my pointer and my middle finger in my right hand and my pointer in my left hand. And I've been typing with those three fingers for probably, I don't know, uh, since I was uh, 18 years old. And I, I, type for, I type all the time. And I thought, you know what? It's time to take a typing class. You say, well, you know, it's not worth it. You know, you, you, you're just set in your ways. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. You're, you won't be able to handle it. No way. I am going to take that class. I'm going to learn to type. I'm going to learn to type with all these fingers. I don't care where you are. You're you're not done yet. God's got another stage for you. He's got another level for you. He's got another purpose for you. Take that class. Take that typing class. Move on to what, say, God, what's next? I want to continue to grow. I want to continue to move into the plan that you have for my life. I I saw as it was... um, the paddles. I saw the flat line. And I'm talking to me tonight. We got to be careful that we don't flatline, that we don't plateau. And I feel like God says, I want to put the paddles of my spirit to your spirit, and I want to shock you so that you get beating again, get moving again, and get pursuing again so that you continue to grow in Christ Jesus. He told Timothy, listen, this Growth that I'm talking about, this progress that I'm talking about, it's measurable. So we need to see the uh, growth in Christ as essential and measurable. 
He told Timothy, listen. And, he, and he said, how do I do that? He said, Timothy, go with me to 1 Timothy chapter 4, please. I didn't do scripture slides today. I trust you forgive me. Here we go. He said, Timothy, listen to me, Timothy. In verse uh, 1 Timothy 4, 15, I want you to meditate on these things. Let's back up just one verse. Don't neglect the gift of God that's in you, which is given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. Say amen. Prophecy is a key to our growth. Edification, exhortation, comfort. We need to see prophetic utterance as a need in our lives. And he said, meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to the teaching. Continue in them. For in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. See, we're the, we're the key. Who you are as a person and your growth in the Lord is the key to the success in your life and the lives of those around you. Your growth in Christ and your progress in Christ is the key to the situation surrounding your life. Say, I want this to improve in my life. As you grow in Christ in the grace and knowledge of God, those things are going to improve around you. As you grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ, those relationships around you are going to improve. As you grow in the grace and the knowledge that's in Jesus Christ, those souls that are on your heart to be saved, they're going to see that in your life. And they're going to see more of God in you. And it's going to be desirable. So there's a couple of different things we have to do. Number one, we have to desire prophetic utterance. The Bible says to, to desire prophecy. Say amen. amen. That's just been stirred up again in me recently. I feel like I'm going to get a little too conservative in my hand. But God wants us to desire to pray. He says, I want you to desire spiritual gifts, especially that you might prophesy. Why? Because when, you, when prophecy happens, and I'm not, I'm not necessarily even talking about like Agabus the prophet that came down to Judea to visit Paul and had the word for him. I'm not even talking about some of the other prophets that were with Paul in Antioch, the fivefold ministry. Or I'm not even talking maybe about uh, Jim Jorgensen, who, who we consider a prophet to our church. I'm talking about the prophecy that God gives to every believer. He said, in the last days, my sons and my daughters are going to prophesy. My spirit's going to be poured out on all flesh. And, and Paul says, I want you to be, you prophesy one by one out of the fullness of the spirit in your lives. I want you to prophesy over one another, edification, exhortation, and comfort. I was going on about my business last week, and my sister sent me a text message. And she said, Darren, I was worshiping the Lord. And I, I just, your, as I was worshiping, your face came before me. And she said, this just came to me. And I felt like the Lord was, was just saying this, you know. And that so encouraged me. And it was really from God. And it encouraged me. And boy, I just felt the Lord. And I, I just felt stirred and, and um, encouraged and built up. Amen? So we've got to give, 
heed to the element of the perfect. The second thing he says is you got to meditate on these things, Timothy. You got to you got to set aside. You got to get your mind aligned with God's word and God's promises. You got to get quiet and you've got to focus. Say focus. We have to focus on the things of God if we want to grow in the things of God. And then he said, Timothy, I want you to give yourself entirely to them. So we have to give ourselves to them. We still got to say, God, here I am. I want to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. I don't think I'm done yet. I feel discouraged, but I'm going to come before you, Lord, in Jesus' name. I'm going to put myself on the altar. I'm going to say, Lord, light the fire in me because I want to move on in Christ. And then finally he says, you need to continue. I'm sorry, I got ahead of myself. In verse 16, he said, take heed to yourself. And he's quoting Moses in Deuteronomy, by the way. Sometimes when we get stagnant, when we start to flatline and plateau, we got to get a hold of ourselves. He says, listen, you get a hold of yourself. You go, you go before the Lord. You remember the prophetic utterances that are over your life. You remember where God took you from. You remember where you're going, and you shake yourself, and you get a hold of yourself, and you say, Lord, here I am. And then finally he says, you have to continue in them. Somebody say continue. God has raised us up. Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. He taught us how this whole thing was birthed. And he said, I began it and I finished it. And I have called you to do the same thing. I began a good work in you and I'm going to complete it to the day of Christ Jesus. And I'm a finisher and you're going to be a finisher too in Jesus' name. You're not going to fall by the wayside like the word of God that got eaten up by the birds. No, you're not going to get eaten. But David said, when the enemy came against me to eat up my flesh and eat up my bones, they stumbled and they fell because the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? When the enemy camps against me, my heart's not going to fear. In this, I'm going to be confident that Jesus is standing before me. He is my light and my salvation and I'm going to finish the course that he has set for me. Hallelujah. I'm not giving up in Jesus' name. I'm preaching to me. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. But we have to be careful because, uh, you know, God just showed me, I've been studying in the book of Deuteronomy, where, where God brought, he delivered the people. And the, de the devil, he delivered us from the power of the devil. The Bible says that he, we've been delivered, set free in Colossians 1.13, from the power of the devil and conveyed into the kingdom of his son. And I could just see that group of Israelites, the Pharaoh and all of his cohorts and all of his uh, captains and his generals and man, they, they all had them and they didn't want to let him go. And the devil didn't want to let us go either. But Jesus came and when the word of God came, when Jesus walked into the room, the power of God, of the devil was broken over our lives and we were basically he said, now start walking. The door's open. He can't hold you any longer. It's time for you now to do one thing. Get up, start walking and learn to follow me. So the door's open, and I got the devil held down. He's under my thumb, but I want you to walk out into the wilderness and follow me. And the Lord just began to show me that in the wilderness, and when, when we're walking things out in our lives, that there's, there could be wilderness. 
There can be delays. There can be struggles. There can be problems. But God says, I want you to count it all joy because every problem that the devil sets in front of you, I'm going to work it for good. Every problem that happens, it's not taking away from you, but it's adding to you because I want you to learn endurance. And when you get endurance and you get patience, then you get perfect. And we're not perfect until we get endurance. He says, you've got to learn to take what's coming at you and keep going in Jesus' name. He said, but wait a minute. I, if I could just get what I want, if I could just get this situation out of the way, if I could just get these people out of the way, then I could be okay, then I could be happy. God says, no, that's meant for your perfection. You're going to go through that situation. Thank you, Lord. But you see, they were stubborn. They, and we have to be careful that we don't get stubborn in our walk with God. That we don't get stiff-necked like the, the Israelites were. That when Moses went up onto the mountain and he left them for a while, how I many of you know Jesus is at the right hand of the Father right now? And that we're waiting for his return, just like the people were waiting for Moses to return from the mountain. They couldn't wait but, thir- but a month. And they said, I don't know what happened to this Moses, but we need something else to worship around here. I'm getting bored. So I'm going to make my own God because what's in my heart in that time of testing and patience is coming out. And God says, when you're in the wilderness and you're walking with me and things start to stagnate and get a little stale, what's in your heart's going to come out because I'm testing you. And what came out was a golden calf. And they said, okay, I want to worship a God that's tender meat. I want to worship a God that's um, materialistic. I want to worship a God that I create that makes me happy. I don't want this Moses God anymore. And what happened? When Moses came down from the mountain, he threw those tablets down on the ground, the Ten Commandments that were given to them. And the Lord said, this is a stubborn and a stiff-necked people. I want to, as Pastor Ned would say, crispy them all and start over with you. <laughs> That's a Pastor Nedism right there. I want to crispy them. I want to fry those, those Israelites. Let's let the fire burn of my wrath burn on those people because that's what they deserve. But what did Moses say? He said, Lord, don't do it. Don't do it, Lord. And Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, and he's our advocate. And Moses was the advocate for them. He was standing there saying, Lord, show mercy on them. I'm here. I'm one of them. And he said, no, let's start out with you. Lord, no, don't do it, Lord, Moses said. And God didn't do it because of Moses. And we, didn't, we are not receiving the wrath that we deserve. We're not receiving the punishment for our sins that we deserve because of Jesus. Because, he, because of his sacrifice, because of his love. And, and, and they continued, though, in their complaining. They continued in their stiff-necked. Uh, they didn't want to grow. They didn't want to learn to trust God. They wanted one thing, meat and comfort. And, you know, we're the same way. I just want to be comfortable. Can I just be comfortable, please? Do we really have to have problems? Do we really have to have discomfort? Yes. It's good for us. I had a roommate in college. I told the, the, the story this morning. He was one of these guys that always liked to be comfortable. He's always in pajamas and sweatpants. and He was kind of a hippie type, you know. 
And I, here's me. I was the, this preppy kid from Catholic school, and I always, always liked to get all dressed up and gelled up and, you know. But we became good friends because we shared two very important things in common. You know, we loved to party and we loved the Grateful Dead. And that, that, was, uh, that was more important than anything else at the time. But one night, you know, I had to borrow some of his clothes and I was having a rough night. And I got into his sweatpant gear and I, he had this big body pillow. And he said, Daryl, you he used to call me Daryl, you've finally seen the light. <laughs> he, just, he was just a lounger, you know. He wouldn't even go out. But that's not the light, you see. The comfort that we need is in the Holy Spirit. The true comfort is in God. What they were really, see, there's, a, there's, a, there's an itch. There's a desire in every man's heart to hear the voice of God because man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And when those Israelites were out in the wilderness, God said, I fed you with manna that you did not no. And the manna that we really need is the voice of God. And the comfort that we really need is the comfort in our spirits. Because out in the wilderness and all of my frustrations and my waiting, I learned that there's another component to me, my spirit. And my spirit is hungry for God. And every heart is hungry for the living God. Every heart is thirsting and, and longing, and they feel like that the longing can be met by the natural desires on their heart. But God says, no, it's really me that you're after. And he wanted them to learn that in the wilderness, to come under the discipline of God and to come under the need for God himself. And that's what happened. I come into need. I was, I was told the story this morning at Teen Challenge. They told me, I had been, and this was a, a, a Christian program for, um, in case some of you are not familiar with it, for, for young pe- uh, for men, really. Uh, there's a, there's a, but they would separate them. There's a, a, a woman's teen challenge, too, as well. But it's for men with substance abuse problems, with emotional problems. There was, there was people with all kinds of problems there. For me, it was uh, emotional problems, substance abuse. And, and, uh, and I was there, and, um, and that's where I met Christ. But as I was, I was there for a while, but after a month or so, they said, you know, they would have regular check-ins, and they would meet, and they would see how, how the flock was doing. And they say, okay, when well, my name came up, and they said, well, he's not doing too good. And they brought me in, and they said, I said hey, hey, fellas, what's going on? And I had kind of an attitude at the time. <laughs> what is it now? <laughs> I, I swapped the deck, you know. I, I was there for, for morning prayer, and I'm doing everything you're asking me to do. I'm not doing it with a good attitude, but I'm doing it. And they said, well, you see, we're concerned about you, brother, because you're not growing in the Lord the way you should right now. Not growing in the Lord? What do you mean? I'm here. I'm doing what you asked me to do. They said, yeah, you're just here, though. You've plateaued. And we want to get the paddles of God's spirit, and we want to shock you back to life, brother. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to move you out into the hallway. You're not allowed to sleep in your room anymore. You need to move all of your things out into the hallway on the couch. Imagine what the world would do with this. This was in 1990. I mean, they probably, if some of the media, if they found out about this, it would be like child abuse or something, you know. They wouldn't have it. This is, uh, you know, unjust. But I was on the couch in the hallway at this rehabilitation center because I had stopped growing in the Lord. Why did they do that? 
to make me uncomfortable. Because I needed to be uncomfortable. Because I had kind of settled in and just started coasting. God doesn't want us coasting. He wants us growing in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. He said, Peter said, listen, be careful that you don't lose your steadfastness. You know what steadfastness means? Steadfastness means set, moving in this direction. Amen. So I, I, learned, I learned a lesson there. Paul told Timothy, don't settle, Timothy. Stir up that gift that's within you. But I want to just, dangers of, of stubbornness. Um, we can get stubborn and prideful. And that's how we can, when we think we don't need to grow anymore, when we think God's all done, when we think everything's okay, that's when we get into trouble. And the, you see, the stubbornness was, was something that Jesus had to confront in his ministry too. It was a, an issue that Paul had to continually confront with the Pharisees. When Jesus went to heal on the Sabbath, no. Now's not the day to heal. You shouldn't be doing that. When he went to, uh, when he commended the woman for her worship with the alabaster box, they said, no, that's not right. That should be given to the poor. When Jesus was, uh, his disciples were eating grain. They said, no, they shouldn't be doing that. They shouldn't be eating, eating grain on the Sabbath and picking that. And by the way, they're not fasting enough either. How come, how come they're not fasting twice a week like we do? When he was witnessing to a woman at the well, they yelled at him too. They said, Lord, you're not supposed to talk to Samaritan women. And by the way, it's lunchtime. What are you doing? You didn't eat lunch. There was constant buffeting. He was constantly confronting the stubbornness that's in us, the pride that's in mankind, the pride of life. The I know better. Do you have a case of the I know betters? How many know God doesn't like that? God doesn't like us to hear I know better. Lisa and I were talking recently, and she said, you know, we, 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 uh, we said, you know what, we need to pray. And it, 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 the, the, it's very good in your life when you shake yourself and you say, okay, everything else is, pause, we need to pray. So we had gotten down on our knees, and we, we told the kids, you just go over there. We're just going to, we'll be in up here in the room. We're going to lock the door. We're going to pray. And if you don't behave, there'll be trouble when we get out. Say amen. <laughs> so we got down on our knees, and we were praying, and we just felt, thank, oh, gosh. I, we, I, I don't know that we were getting anything, or uh, God didn't really show us anything, but we just knew it was right to stop and pray. And when, when we left that, I, I, and I Correct me if I'm quoting you wrong. She said, you know, I just, God, I, there's something in me that, no, I don't want to pray. I want to handle this myself. Did I get that right? In, in, in so many words. But she was able to articulate that. You know, That's the way we are sometimes. I want to handle this myself, Lord. I don't need to pray. I don't need to depend upon you, Lord. Stubbornness, stiff-necked. It's kind of a part of, our, of, of the old nature. When Jesus had, had finished speaking at that great feast, Nicodemus came back to the Pharisees and he said, I've never heard anybody talk like this before. I, I think you guys might have it wrong. And they said to him, are you also from Galilee? By the way, the, the Judeans resented the Galileans in the north. It was kind of a xenophobic thing too for them. 
they, they didn't like them as it is. We don't like people from your territory anyway. We think we're better than them. And by the way, you're from there too. They're all there, Nicodemus. Are you from Galilee too? Search and look. No prophets ever come out of Galilee. And you know, I, I, I read that. How many of you have read that in John chapter 7? You're like, well, at least, yeah, maybe they were right. They were wrong. They were wrong. Micah, and, and this is from the forerunner commentary. I want to cite them correctly. Um, Micah, Elijah, Jonah, Nahum, and Hosea were all prophets that had come out of Galilee. So they were wrong. And you know, when we get stubborn and we get stiff-necked, that's how we begin to look at God's word. When we approach God's word and his ways with our pride, that's when, we get, that's when the, the twisting can happen. Rather than when we come to God's word and say, Lord, your word's like a mirror. You show me what I look like. You show me what I'm supposed to be doing. You show me, Lord, how I need to grow. I'm not the teacher. You are. And what happened was, they, uh, and by the way, uh, the Bible says in Isaiah 9 that the people of Galilee has seen a great light. Galilee of the Gentiles. But you see, here's the deal with, with, the, with them. They weren't willing to change their truth for the truth. They weren't willing to change their minds for the mind of Christ. They weren't willing to change their ways for the way of Jesus Christ. Amen? And you see, Jesus fulfilled prophecy perfectly. Say amen. Are you still with me? I'm not going to be too much longer. He fulfilled prophecy perfectly, but he fulfilled prophecy his way. And he didn't fulfill the scriptures the way they thought he should. Say amen, right? Okay. Now, I mean, no, that they thought he was going to be a physical military leader that was going to literally take over Israel at the time. That's the way they had figured it out. And see, we have expectations that we put upon God, and we say, God, I think you're supposed to do that this way. That's kind of the way I have it figured out. So when you don't do it that way, I, I don't submit. I don't say, Lord, okay, what are you doing here? I say, no, that's not God. Because that's how I have superimposed my will and my thinking into God's word. And this is difficult. That's why Paul said, listen, Timothy, you've got to be able to divide the word of truth. You've got to get mature in this. Say, grow in Christ. Amen. Amen. We have to grow so that we can discern. And finally, I just wanted to, I just wanted to point out this last idea. Um, you see, God calls people, not organizations or systems. He calls you. And you, the person, is going to go from here to eternity with God. You're a jewel in his crown. You and your growth in Christ matters to God. God so, and I told the story this morning. I like to study the X's and the O's of football. I've coached flag football, and I don't know if someday I might coach tackle football, but I like to study the game and, and, and some of the, the strategies, and I've coached before. There's a guy I follow online, and... He, does, he, he teaches the spread offense, and, and it's the West Coast offense where there's a lot of the passing game versus the run game. And, and I'm just very impressed by this guy's plan. And I've been following it. I thought, oh, gosh, that would be very good to implement. But his last post said, I just want to tell you that everything I'm doing here is irrelevant. <laughs> because 
if you have poor, average to poor coaches and players, this probably won't work very well for you. And by the way, there's a team north of us that is in the top five football teams in the country, and they run a wing tee and a split veer, which is a traditional run game, and they're winning the title every year. Do you know why? Because of the coaches and the players on that team. So it's not the system that matters. It's the people. You see, every culture, every organization, every church, it has a culture. It has an identity. And we, our identity is what Christ, it's Christ. It's Jesus. When people come into these walls, they should feel and see the identity of Christ in us. And it's what Jesus is doing in us that produces the identity that people see. And it's our growth in Christ, hallelujah, that matters most. We have to grow. We have, we, these things that have been hanging on, God says, listen, those weights that are holding you off, I've given you the authority to drop them. I want you to get rid of those things. I've given you the command. I've given the authority. Drop those weights and move on with me. They're holding you back. Lord, give us the strength to drop the weights that are holding us back in Christ. And finally, I'll close with this. When Moses came down from that mountain and he saw that golden calf, he broke those commandments onto the ground, those stones. He split them and they shred into pieces. And God told him, listen, I want you to get two new tablets and I want you to come back up onto the mountain with me and I'm going to burn new, my law into those new tablets. And, and listen, there's a second chance for broken lives Because in Christ, God says, I'm going to burn my word. I'm going to write my word upon the tablet of your heart. Because in the new covenant, you see, when he brought them out, he brought them in. And he says, now that I've called you out of Egypt, I want to give you my law. I want to show you how to walk with me. And God wants to show us how to follow him in Christ. And the way to do that is to walk according to his ways. And his ways are written by the Spirit of God in our hearts so that we can know his ways. Amen? There's a second chance. There's an opportunity to walk with him. And and then the Bible says after Moses brought those two new tablets down the second time, he said, I want you to take those And this time, before you throw them down on the ground, Moses, don't do that again when you get frustrated. He said, I want you to put them in the acacia box. I want you to put them in the ark. I want to build a tabernacle because my laws don't belong in some filing cabinet in the other room. God wants his law to get in the presence. It belongs, he says, I want my words and my law to be in the presence. And that's a picture of our spirits. That, that ark now in the new covenant, the Bible says that God's not somewhere afar off, but he says, I've come into you through my spirit and I want to breathe upon my law. And I want my law to be constantly on your mind and on your heart. And I want you to walk in it. And I want you to teach your children to walk in it. But how do you do that? One step at a time. Walking by the spirit and not fulfilling the lusts of the flesh. God's law is there in our hearts. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that you would stir within us tonight 
a desire to grow in Christ. Father, I pray tonight that you would, uh, Lord, rekindle the flame, Lord, so that, Lord, we would desire to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that, that we would see the need to maintain the steadfastness of our spirits, Lord, and to be pursuing you. Hallelujah. We thank you for that, Father. Father, I pray that we would see that you have called us out. So, Lord, that we could serve you, that we could walk after you, that we could know you, God, and walk after your ways. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much for being with us today. Our prayer is that your life be enriched through the power of God's word and that you be filled with his love and strength as you daily serve him. To learn more about our service times and our ministry and how it is that you can partner with us, visit us online today at romechristiancenter.com.